Welcome back to podcast Found in Estonia, where I, Tina, usually talk with different foreigners living in Estonia. Yet, this time, this season features Estonians who are no strangers to living abroad themselves. We will talk about why, when and how did they end up living abroad, how was their experience compared to living in Estonia, and if and how their perspective shifted after moving back to Estonia. This season is powered by a non-profit organization called Mondo, which aims to reduce global inequality. You can hear more about their project together at the end of this podcast. Today's guest is an Estonian, Andres Sirel, who is a father, an entrepreneur and a lifelong learner. Andres worked at Microsoft for over 11 years, which led him to move with his entire family to Malaysia. His mission today is to raise awareness among parents through playful development and balance, and he does it by leading a company called Insplay, which focuses on the wholesale of international developmental toys and educational robotics. He is also a certified mystic school healer who holds life activation sessions and offers coaching and consultation for those on the spiritual road. And now I want to welcome you, Andres, to the podcast. And let's dive straight into your journey. You grew up in Estonia, worked here and had a family here. And then you decided to move away with your whole family. Can you take us back in time and share about that time period? What went on in your life and how did you decide to move to Malaysia? Yeah, so um, I think I had to start uh, somewhere uh, at the end of 2000s where I had this... Uh, I've been I've been working in Microsoft for some time already. By then, um, about uh, five years, and uh, I always had this kind of uh, ambitious uh, goal to to also work uh, for some time at least um, uh, abroad, just to get more exposure, to get more understanding how the world works. And I remember that I was um, I was uh, kind of uh, heavily uh, sending out my resumes within Microsoft. In the end of uh, 2009, and so, and even went to uh, for an interview in Redmond um, for different roles. But that time, uh, the uh, kind of economy was going down, and so in the end, they they all got all these open positions. And this idea still uh, stuck to my mind. And it was yeah, 2014 when I already had two kids, and then um, I uh, I met up with a an old um, uh, a friend, uh, a manager in Microsoft at one of the our internal events and just mentioned to him that, you know, I'm, I'm starting to consider this again to, to, to move somewhere and get some more international experience. And, um, and then he mentioned that there's actually, he's now leading this uh, uh, windows and devices division in, in the Asia Pacific. And there's a open role in, in Malaysia. And uh, yeah, I asked uh, to send uh, <laughs> my resume. And that time I thought, yeah, wow, okay, sounds sounds interesting. But I actually had to um, uh, like open uh, open the maps and <laughs> see where Malaysia is. Because <laughs> uh, I, w- I have been traveling in Asia, but not in that area. And um, yeah, actually, and uh, like a few months afterwards, uh, we were already in Malaysia with the family. Wow, okay, that sounds even a bit easy <laughs> with all the one thing leading to another. But what did you do in the company specifically? Well, um, before um, Malaysia, I was uh, I started in Microsoft as a developer evangelist. 
So I was the, uh, I think the, at least to my knowledge, the the only person in Estonia who had evangelist as his title uh-huh. and was working in a kind of uh, professional environment, not in related to religion. Although basically I was uh, doing uh, like technical marketing. Um, afterwards, I was um, a Windows product manager in the Baltics. So covering uh, the three countries and uh, yeah, from, from that position, uh, I, I moved to Malaysia. So yeah, I had uh, uh, basically before moving to Malaysia, like nine years experience in, in Microsoft. Okay. And is the office in Malaysia bigger than in Estonia or actually smaller or some uh, middle, middle office? <laughs> yeah, well, it was definitely uh, smaller. Um, so, or sorry, bigger. Um, and um, so I had... Basically, the the office of Microsoft in in Malaysia was um, uh, right next to the Petronas Towers, which is kind of like a landmark in uh, Kuala Lumpur. And so, yeah, it occupied two floors. Um, I think there were um, around 200 people, whereas in, let's say, in the Baltics in total, uh, there were maybe 120 or something like that. Um, So, yeah, definitely bigger and much more um, opportunity as kind of Malaysia... You know, at the time was a very kind of emerging market, developing fast and uh, so expanding, uh, yeah. Hmm. But how did your wife t- uh, took it? If you you were thinking about wanting to live abroad again, as you mentioned, uh, what did your wife thought about it and about the children? <laughs> yeah, well, she was, uh, well, definitely, she she's more maybe um, kind of maybe, Uh, careful about these kind of uh, bigger moves and decisions and but yeah I was you know this as this wasn't like a new thing because I was you know aiming to to um, to go somewhere and then you know work somewhere else already in the end of 2000s then uh, uh, yeah I remember that you know we we kind of uh, had many discussions around this when this opportunity actually was on the table and we kind of listed down the, um, the pluses and minuses and um, eventually yeah decided to go for it okay so you mentioned you were thinking about uh, moving abroad before and that uh, looking out for different opportunities but why why did you want to move away from Estonia well I guess it's for me it's like I've always been um, somebody um, who values uh, um, personal development and kind of growth so it's important for me to to really kind of you know Uh, be be moving forward uh, as a kind of you know progression for for myself, and um, I think that you know initially I wanted to to go to Redmond uh, where the HQ of Microsoft is, uh, but I also you know, at the same time was looking into yeah like like these kind of larger markets just understand actually you know and have a bigger also responsibility and also opportunity actually to kind of maybe probably at that time prove myself. I was yeah super ambitious uh, and had these um, yeah kind of uh, uh, large goals for myself. Okay, that sounds interesting. Do you remember the time that you landed in Malaysia? How did your first day or how did your first weeks go? Where did you where did you live and what what happened next? Well, luckily, the uh, transition was. Um, I think it yeah it, it was kind of maybe um, quite. Um, easy thanks to the um, the support and help from from Microsoft and uh, so they helped to you know arrange many things in the beginning like a temporary apartment for the first month for example so there was already a place where we could stay uh, for some time until we we find our own uh, place um, so they helped to arrange all the paperwork and so on 
like when it comes to Malaysia, there's, you know, a, a tons of uh, kind of bureaucracy to get through, even to get work permit and, and, and so on and so on. So so they help to kind of manage this uh, already beforehand. So, um, yeah. So in the beginning, of course, um, like... <laughs> Uh, we hadn't been to Malaysia before. So okay. it was, uh, <laughs> you know, still like uh, lots of, you know, kind of maybe nervousness and tension. And But um, but yeah, it was really interesting. And well, Malaysia, um, I would say, especially Kuala Lumpur is quite different from the other Asian, uh, like emerging uh, countries. And it's really, it has this kind of metropolitan uh, feel. So it's really like a, big city uh, life, I would say. And so we were really in the center of the on the city uh, around skyscrapers and, and so on. And uh, yeah, it, it like, you know, I think in probably in the beginning, it was still definitely like, wow, you know, uh, just, uh, but although, you know, it, it did have this kind of Asian vibe and uh, um, uh, you could see the, you know, at the same time, like high-end luxury life and, you know, also strong poverty in, in kind of in like one environment. Mm-hmm. Living among skyscrapers and um, in a huge city, that sounds really uh, glamorous. How glamorous was your everyday life actually? Because I've heard that from some people who live in Dubai, they said that when they lived in a skyscraper, it took it took them like ages to wait for the elevator to go th- uh, like out of the house. Then they forgot like keys or something or a phone. They had to go back, and it already took like half an hour from the day to just get out of the building. How was your experience there? <laughs> um, so we lived in a in a quite a, a new place. Um, so so infrastructure wise and kind of you know the in general the the living uh setup was quite quite easy i would say and um so basically my my let's say the mornings um for me it was like they were actually super uh easy compared maybe to many other uh people uh working in microsoft uh, in in that office because i i had to basically just walk 15 minutes to get you know door to door uh from home to office and uh, yeah, I, I think getting out from the from from the um, you know the building uh, of our home uh, was uh, uh, there was you know several le- elevators, so wasn't wasn't really that difficult. Of course, yeah, if you forget something, you have to go back. But um, but yeah, so it was actually uh, really easy, and that's you know the main reason why we chose our home also really close to the office because you know the 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 traffic in KL is quite bad <laughs> so so most people actually leave like you know um like uh, a drive away and uh so they they also have to plan coming to the center of the city or leaving uh so either come early or leave a bit later or soon or earlier because uh the trams are uh traffic trams is really bad and um yeah so that's kind of you know it's always the the first topic in the morning like you know how how long they stuck <laughs> in traffic oh my god Wow. Um, if you look at the big picture, like your time in Malaysia, how would you describe your time with three words? Yeah, I think um, um, probably first would be like, yeah, city life. That's just one thing. Um, the other wise, probably um, diversity, definitely. I think it was just uh, cultural wise. And probably the, the third uh, word would be traveling because we did lots of traveling within that 
region and area. And that was like just, yeah, really uh, helped to expand that whole experience. Hmm. Let's talk about the diversity part, because I've never been to Malaysia, but I've been to Thailand and Nepal and uh, some other countries there. But it seemed for me, at least as a foreigner, it seemed like, oh, there is not much diversity except for tourists. But how was uh, how was it really in Kuala Lumpur? Well, um, Malaysia itself is like uh, about 30 million people and uh, in, in Kuala Lumpur or KL. So there, uh, like in the main area, there uh, are almost 2 million people. And in general for, um, so there's different like, you know, experiences within Malaysia. But um, if we talk about uh, KL, then uh, there's a huge expat community. So, so there's a lots of like international business and, and yeah, really, really many expats working there. Um, so you, so this, so the vibe of the city is really uh, diverse already itself. But in general, in, in Malaysia, uh, so there's a, you know population-wise about seventy percent are like Malays. Let's say the you know like the, the local Malaysians. Then there's a lot of uh, Chinese, like twenty uh, or more percent, and and quite a lot of uh, also Indians. Plus all the expats, so the um, so the culture already is really uh, rich in terms of different uh, nations, which means basically that if you work there, <laughs> I've never had as many public holidays I've had as, as I had in <laughs> Malaysia because they celebrate like all the Malay, all the Chinese, all the Indian oh. uh, holidays, and yeah, so so many free days. Did you got to celebrate Estonian uh, like Yanipa Midsummer Day as well? <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, well, uh, yeah. Well, usually I think actually for the midsummer day we tried to be already back in Estonia. We spent our vacation uh, here, so I think in yeah from the end of June or so we we were back. But yeah, otherwise you know the Estonian holiday is definitely uh, you know something we we celebrated at home and maybe also shared with some friends and um, and uh, and there was also a, a small uh, community uh, of Estonians living in KL and some some who have had lived there already like many years before us. Hmm. How different was the work culture in there? Because you you stayed within the same company, but I'm assuming that a lot of people next to you <laughs> changed. Did that change the work culture as well? Uh, yeah. So, well, well, the team in in Microsoft was also quite international. Like for example, when I um, when I moved there, my my boss was uh, from US. So she's she had been there, I think, also like a year or so before me. Uh, then there was like you know uh, one member in in our team from Portugal, another one from Italy. Um, yeah, so 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 the office itself also had many expats and 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 in general also like you know Malays, Chinese, Indians, and and so on. Um, yeah, and uh, work culture wise, I think uh, there are many things that kind of maybe come to mind, but. In in one way, uh, definitely, what you can kind of I had to kind of consider, and maybe that kind of uh, stood out was that um, people uh, will not always, you know, uh, tell you like directly if they agree or, or or not, or maybe they tell you that they you know agree and understand, but in reality, uh, they might not, and they might disagree or you know think that you're a, you're a, maybe a major idiot <laughs> <laughs> in um, behind your back. So. Uh, so it's like, um, yeah, the relationships really, really matter and kind of, you know, taking that time also to kind of establish this relationship between the others. I think this part definitely is something that I was maybe struggling. So it's like not that transparent and open as we would see probably in in the Europe and probably in the US. 
and so the so the hierarchy kind of played a very strong and important role as well. Mm. But if your boss was from the US, was he like uh, acting like a more direct person, or or the entire uh, surroundings kind of formed the how people interact with each other? Yeah. So so um, so she was actually uh, super like open and kind of you know brought this US style of of leadership and so. And um, yeah, there were people that kind of you know um, you know like this. There, there were those that, that didn't. For me, like yeah, I had a very maybe good relationship with my my boss at that time, and uh, so she was like a uh, uh, yeah, I would consider definitely a, a strong leader, and uh, so and and kind of maybe also influenced the the way you know the kind of the others around you know communicated and kind of took uh, took on some challenges. Mm-hmm. But how, if your work environment had a lot of international people, then how much contact did you had with uh, locals, with Malaysian people? Um, so probably uh, I, yeah, I would uh, have loved to have more uh, contact. But so because, you know, when you're expat in, in a city, then typical, at least for us, it was that, you know, we, we, we uh, spent our time also quite a lot with different expats. Uh, but of course, uh, within that, there were um, you know uh, spending time with colleagues, and you know as diverse as the team was, uh, so so there was always like you know uh, trying out uh, different you know foods from different uh, cultures and and so on. So so it was um, you know definitely trying to understand you know how the kind of the locals think, practicing some language and so on, um, and uh, yeah, and just to also. To get to know the 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 Malaysia as a, as a whole country because like you know the experience in KL if you and if you travel outside is completely different mm, I can imagine that for a big country as it is uh, but what what would you say are the main differences between Estonia and Malaysia well well I think first thing of course is the is the climate you know um, Malaysia is basically 12 months of summer <laughs> and um so the um, the average temperature daytime is like 30 uh, degrees celsius and it's it's quite humid so like that's probably the first thing that you will notice like whenever you exit any you know building which usually are very um you know uh, air conditioned uh, so so you kind of you know you hit like a, a a hot wall uh so that's something that you have to kind of you know get used to and uh, you, you do you know of course start to appreciate air conditioning quite a lot but um but what i also noticed is that uh, spending you know like two years there um and then moving back to estonia i you know really valued the kind of the the, the fresh air and the coolness that we have here but at the same time like you know it took me maybe um a year or so to kind of you know uh for my body to get used to more also the this kind of cooler air, air. I was in the beginning uh, definitely I felt more cool probably than than before mm. so that was kind of one thing okay okay interesting <laughs> and um probably the other thing um uh, for Malaysia it's, yeah it's it's definitely you know a, a lot uh, around food because of also the the different cultures so so you can really you know try out uh, like uh in, on on top of the kind of the local uh, Malay food, and there's you know different cuisine from uh, influence from Singapore. There's of course lots of Chinese, uh, Indian, Japanese, whatever actually. Yeah. And um, so so I think that's you know 
definitely we 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 ate uh, outside uh, a lot more than we 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 did probably back in Estonia. Um, um, while we of course cooked also um, um, at home, uh, but still, yeah, I think that that that's kind of my, maybe one experience that was just different. That it was like a typical thing that you know um, that we would go out to try some new place, and there mm-hmm. was lots of restaurants all around us to to explore. Mm-hmm. If you cooked at home, did you cook like typical Estonian foods, or you tried to cook some local things? Because it it might sound like easier. Let's just say stay in and cook, but then. How do you know how to cook the local stuff? <laughs> yeah, well, if you have uh, young kids, then and then uh, you, then you kind of you know stick to quite quite um, like uh, typical uh, kind of this normal food for them, which they they're used to. Of course, they they and when we were um, you know eating outside, then they got to expo- uh, you know exposed to very different kind of uh, spices and so on as well. It's like my younger one really. Uh, started to like spicy food or <laughs> the older one uh, like uh, or just now basically is is more kind of keen to explore the the spicy food but at home we yeah typically cooked like kind of you know which was something regular for us luckily the all the um or let's say the bigger um uh, supermarkets in in uh, Kuala Lumpur you know they had pretty good uh, options and, and different uh, things that we were used to as well except for maybe the dark bread and and something something like that that like when somebody would visit us then they would bring but otherwise yeah it was it was quite easy to actually uh you know uh cook like similar things that we were used to back home mm. uh you mentioned your children and i just remembered but what were they doing the whole day in there you went to work i assume in the, in the morning what were what did your children and your wife do meanwhile yeah so when we moved and uh, yeah my my kids were were quite uh, young so the uh, uh the um uh, uh younger one was uh, two and a half years and the older one about six so uh and of course they didn't basically know like you know any english when we moved there um so and so the um the the uh older uh daughter she was in kindergarten in Estonia, and when we moved, she went directly to the first uh, grade in in uh, in a uh, uh, international school there. So basically, just in the middle of the year, I started to uh, to go to school. Um, and and for her, in the beginning, like two months were quite challenging because like completely new environment, all new people doesn't understand basically anything that they're saying mm-hmm. but but after two months so she picked up English she uh, and she really loved the whole experience I would say that um, she really kind of you know fit in well and also at the school like she was awarded uh, this um, um, uh, what was it uh, like global citizen <laughs> award uh, two times so she, she, oh. she, she kind of like you know really really uh, yeah, thrived there well, uh, and my younger uh, daughter. So she uh, initially was was at home with my daughter, but after about also like two or three months, so she started to go to a daycare, so which was like few hours per day, and um, and yeah, so also lots of uh, fond uh, memories from there. Like uh, you know the the experience of like a daycare or kindergarten is quite different as well. Like because that was a like international one and. Uh, just like a different kind of uh, daily routines and so oh. on. What are the main differences? 
Well, I, for example, like they were uh, singing karaoke, there, <laughs> which I don't know if Estonian wow. kindergartens do. So they had lots of uh, maybe more kind of this um, maybe free play. So, th- so they were like, you know, uh, uh, playing around with some some jelly stuff, uh, finger painting. And then, um, yeah, maybe the, I think the day was, you know, uh, probably less structured uh, compared to Estonian kindergartens. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, she she had you know one very good friend in in there, and which uh, a Finnish family that we still uh, uh, are in touch uh, uh, now as well. And uh, yeah, so so but otherwise, like yeah, as that was only a few hours per day, then then my wife was at home, so and uh, she primarily kind of focused to you know uh, uh, managing the all all everything related to home. Mm. Um, was there anything that you found like super unexpected about the country and about this in, uh, experience? Well, it's probably the there are definitely th- things that were maybe hard to get uh, or hard to get used to, like uh, something that you maybe notice coming from Estonia in the in the beginning. Like for example, that many Asian people tend to um, you know chew with their <laughs> mouths open. <laughs> that was something that just like. Um, wasn't um, kind of for us uh, something that uh, is considered like, uh, you know, okay. Or they would be, you know, my colleagues as well, but they would be kind of cracking their necks and fingers <laughs> a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, or uh, And also many people were uh, dragging, you know, kind of shuffling their feet when they walk. It was different, uh, just what you notice. Um, well, I remember one thing as well that, uh, you know, if, if you go to cinema there and, um, and uh, if you... You know the love scenes in the movies; they were cut out, so oh. it's like uh, you know censorship <laughs> there. Wow. Okay. I think that was because of the the Muslim uh, influence, and you know they 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 really kind of you know strict these kind of things where the where the borders go. So these are the things that probably kind of yeah I, I remember in the beginning that I kind of noticed. But of course you get used to it, and it's like just a, a cultural norm, which in the end is not like good or bad, but just like the way things uh, are are used to be there. Mm. Did you pick up any new habits, like uh, chewing more openly when you eat, or did your children do that? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I think my, my <laughs> I don't know if it's the influence from Malaysia, but yeah, uh, I think uh, my younger one still does it. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I think the but uh, but probably yeah, the biggest uh, thing that I think my at least my when I look at my children that they picked up is definitely like you know language, like. Uh, my especially my older daughter is like super good in English, and you know she kind of that that uh, skill has developed there a lot. And um, another thing probably is just like kind of you know being exposed to more um, different you know races, cultures, people, different uh, colored skin, and and so on. So um, so so this is something that you know for them you know, was kind of very normal so that, you know, in their, uh, in their, in the school as well, in, in her class, like there would be, you know, really uh, diverse, uh, uh, diverse students. So, um, so that's, I think, you know, it kind of probably helps to bring down this, these kind of barriers and, and kind of these patterns that, you know, people who kind of look different uh, are somehow, you know, uh, maybe weird. Mm. Did you try to learn uh, the local language as well? Uh, yeah, tried. <laughs> How did that go? Well, I remember that you know whenever I would be you know doing some presentations and so I would definitely you know begin with uh, you know in in the Malay that you know 
my name is uh, Namasaya Andres and and these kind of things. But but I wasn't really kind of um, maybe yeah uh, putting too much effort on that. So uh, like I couldn't really kind of you know keep up with the conversation. But some of the words like whenever you know we say it would be time to go to lunch, then uh, you would say like uh, makan makan. <laughs> this is something that you know let's let's eat and uh, and some other things for sure like um, some some words that kind of just uh um yeah i i still remember and and kids as well like there there's this kind of this uh saying that when something is really weird or or um you cannot understand then uh, then in uh the, in in malaysia they would say ayo <laughs> for example <laughs> and then there my uh, younger daughter would be saying that a lot uh, yeah. i think not that anymore uh, that often anymore but uh, the, in the beginning like she, there was definitely some some influences <laughs> that she used at home as well so sweet <laughs> it sounds almost like some finnish something or estonian something <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool did the locals and your international colleagues actually knew about the country that your guys are coming from did they knew, know about estonia well uh, Uh, I mean, Estonia is really, you know, it's it's a tiny place, so you'd have to explain and probably point it out in a, on a map uh, for them as well. So, so probably some of them knew something more, but usually, you know, you'd still have to kind of, you know, explain where these, uh, you know, who are the neighbor countries uh, and so on and so on. So what I used to do is also like I, I showed some pictures about Estonia, just that so because you know. When you look at the um, you know the nature or everything, it's like completely uh, day and night compared to Malaysian jungles. So uh, so that was always very very interesting for them and uh, had you know a good good thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. The jungles. Did you went to any jungles as well? Uh, yeah, we did travel to the um, kind of the, um, uh, uh, the eastern side of Malaysia, the Borneo. And so yeah, we we were traveling there. I think about two weeks or so, and including some some jungle trips as well. Uh, we would see the kind of the big mo- nose monkeys and you know some some elephants and, and and so on. And I remember that we were um, we were uh, doing this kind of river cruise, and you could see like a crocodile next to our boat <laughs> and and these kind of things. So which were of course very you know um, very different and exciting for us. Yeah, it sounds really cool. Like we can hear about Estonia having bears and lynxes, but you will you will never see them if you just go on walks in the in the forest. So that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, I think that was definitely something that kind of maybe um, I could remember. So if like also somebody you know travels to Malaysia or that part, and then the, the Borneo is definitely worth a visit, and uh, because that just the the nature there is so unique. And so you can really get a compl- like a very different uh, different experience compared to kind of you know that city life and and and, uh, and these big cities. Mm-hmm. Do you have any more tips for people who are thinking about uh, moving to Malaysia or making a longer trip there? Mm, yeah, so I think Malaysia is yeah. Um, uh, it is you know as a country as well the it, the experience can can rise. So if you have like two weeks, for example. Uh, in Malaysia, then definitely, I think spending like a week maybe exploring the east side uh, is a, the Borneo um, is a it's a good idea. So, uh, like we we started from uh, Kota Kinabalu there and then um, moved to um, Sandakan, which is another period area where the uh, jungles are more close to. Uh, so that's that's a 
yeah, definitely a worth and, and really cool experience. Um, other than that, then uh, well, it depends like what's the kind of the, um, what's the experience you want to get out to from? Like, for example, if you want more kind of relaxed and kind of this uh, beach setting and so on, then there's one uh, good place, uh, is a Langkawi um, island where you can uh, travel to. But that if you're um, more in the, if you want to like explore the KL area, then like spending uh, th- uh, two, th- three days in KL is great, you know, uh, on top of all the other things, you can do uh, good shopping there. <laughs> they have really good shopping malls, and uh, so it's a good time to maybe also some uh, yeah uh, to um, to do. Uh, other than that, then uh, uh, if you have few few more days, then Cameroon Islands was really a beautiful place. That's where you have lots of uh, tea plantations, uh, like this uh, British influence, and the climate also changes when you go up the hills. So it can be like let's say if if gale is 30 degrees, then in there you would find maybe 22, 3 degrees, so kind of more Estonian summer uh, feeling, so that more fresh uh, uh, air as well, which was uh, good for a difference. Hey, oh. I, I already feel like, hmm, I want to travel to Malaysia to explore it more, <laughs> or to explore it. Uh, but you said that uh, before you moved there, you felt, uh, you felt an itch to move abroad and to have a have an experience working abroad. Uh, why did you decide to return to Estonia? Uh, yeah, so so probably different uh, reasons on that. Um, one of the thing was that, um, of course, we um, while the kind of the international kind of whole experience for the kids was was really great. At the same time, we we felt that you know uh, at some point you know it would make sense for them to continue their education also in Estonia in Estonian language and kind of you know. Uh, continue on that path uh, and um, and of course you know maybe somewhat the influence would be also that you know if my older daughter was going to a, a private school which was uh, like really good quality and uh, education there it was also super expensive <laughs> so having like two kids go to international schools would be um, a, a completely different thing um, and then um, at that time as well like my as you know my my uh, father in Estonia was running a um, um, uh, local business and he was, um, you know, already planning to uh, kind of uh, take it easy, retire, um, just uh, think, uh, think about like kind of uh, you know, handing over the management. And, you know, so we, yeah, we we just kind of, you know, felt that, you know, it was maybe time for us to kind of head back. And, um, and you know, one of the reasons was that I just uh, took over the business in Estonia from my father and... Uh, and uh, although yeah, there was also, I was considering like maybe doing some kind of Baltic role in Microsoft, but yeah, I just felt that it, it was like um, kind of going to this unknowing, but just felt that something I, I, I want to explore. Mm-hmm. And uh, go, coming from a huge company, a worldwide company to a local family business, how was that transition? Were you shocked how how little meetings there was or <laughs> something like that well yeah the 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 of course yeah the the working culture uh was completely different and of course the you know the leadership style or the you know how what is the typical kind of you know routines in in the business and so on um and you know probably it always you know starts off also from the the leadership uh, the managers in the, in the companies and probably the leadership of my father is completely different from mine. 
so I'm, you know, very influenced, of course, by how things, uh, you know, were in, in Microsoft. We had very open culture, um, very kind of, let's say, in, in general, the people there were very um, also kind of ambitious, wanted to, you know, uh, to um, achieve and, and so on. And so, and uh, so... The, the company that I kind of took over was uh, had quite a smooth pace, um, so so not much maybe has had been uh, changing for the past uh, years. So um, and and it, yeah, the leadership style was also very different. So my my I think my my father was more kind of you know this uh, you know kind of top down approach that you know he made most of the decisions and 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 so on. Um, so so yeah, but. You know, I've been now there, uh, you know, in Insplay for uh, six years and uh, probably definitely, you know, uh, uh, influenced that that culture uh, quite a lot as well. Um, but yeah, I'm very, very grateful for that experience. I think um, um, while I had a team in Malaysia, uh, having now like, you know, we're uh, like a team of 11 in Insplay, it's it is really completely different and when you are like a ceo for a, of a small company then you you have to do kind of you know hands on everything in a sense um but i was definitely you know um you know the, some of the best practices that i've learned and, and got exposed to in microsoft i was trying to implement also in insplay of course in a different scale uh which which uh, yeah um and and kind of that that definitely um, you know was something that you know influenced me as a, as a leader as a as a as a person in a professional way. Hmm. Uh, as I said in your introduction, uh, that I actually read on your website that your mission today is to raise awareness among parents through playful development and balance. Is that something that you took when you joined the company in Insplay, or you felt felt it before? Or uh, or how did you found this to be your mission? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think uh, it it took me some time also after uh, leaving Microsoft to understand that actually um, you know I was kind of you know maybe a bit like fed up with myself in a way that um, the time in in Malaysia and, and Microsoft also was very stressful for me. And while I was like really kind of, you know, ambitious, uh, trying, I was really pushing ahead um, uh, and pushing myself, uh, I definitely wasn't living uh, kind of this balanced life. So I understood that there's something definitely kind of missing. I wasn't at that time like really sure like what it is, um, but I knew that kind of I maybe I, I need to do something differently. Otherwise, like I just felt more kind of maybe empty and I remember that um, when I um, when I got like you know joined let's say Insplay, then uh, I I felt you know that I just want to have more joy in my life and even like to to manifest more joy I I like added uh, this keyword joy into my password so I <laughs> to somehow remind myself that this is something uh, I I need, just need to uh, you know uh, have more in my life. And um, yeah, so I just went kind of this maybe very kind of ambitious um, corporate workaholic to, uh, to to somebody who was yeah almost burning out and and just had this desire to find more balance. 
And you also say you're a lifelong learner and you're into spirituality and you also offer coaching. So is that where that journey began or was did you have interest uh, through, for it before? Yeah, that was a, a turning point. So so when I was already back in Estonia and actually in the also in the summer of 2016, like I would say that that was probably for me like a, kind of this spiritual awakening. Just uh, I was trying different things and kind of maybe that led to understanding that there is this kind of a, a larger force or, or you know a kind of let's say field around me uh, which is greater than and uh, and kind of you know pushed me to towards this direction as well to understand like you know what is really my my purpose in this life and uh, how it all relates and uh, and because before that I was completely like anti-spiritual like anything related to spirituality was like a no-go for me. So uh, I was like like super materialistic and uh, only looking at kind of this uh, maybe physical side of the life. Um, yeah, so 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 that was like a, a shift for me and uh, which which just opened a completely new door and just I really started to kind of investigate what is there like beyond the physical and um, probably like, you know, Every person is, is spiritual to some degree, but, you know, that was maybe something that kind of truly cracked inside me. Mm. It's interesting that you said that when you returned to Estonia, then the shift happened. Because I've heard many people who move to Asian countries and they say the shift happened when they moved away. But you, for you, it seems like you changed when you came back. What else uh, changed in your life or in yourself when you returned to Estonia? Um. Yeah, so probably continuing on that. So uh, yeah, I was definitely like just um, I, I had that. That was the time when I had my first kind of spiritual uh, experiences, and 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 trying out different things to to understand also like what is the what are the things that really kind of you know support me and so on. Many kind of maybe new age uh, stuff and so. Um, um, but yeah, I think uh, it was two thousand. Um, and uh, 19 when i was like when i got my kind of maybe first experience with the modern mister school and that was really something that uh, uh, I, i really felt like a strong kind of let's say uh, push uh, towards like you know my greater self like really kind of you know uh, maybe uh, understanding my, my my more of my true potential um, and that was like a, yeah a big shift <laughs> within Okay, so what is the school about? It sounds mystical since the name says it itself as well, but what do you learn in there and how how do you change yourself through that? Yeah, so I would maybe describe uh, the modern mystery school as a kind of spiritual university because there's um, like the number of, uh, you know, uh, courses and classes that you can take there are really there's there's a lot so there's like you know it's like a you know when when people go to you know uh to uh, you know they start from uh from k12 school you know they go to uh, uh then uh, to to learn in in uh, some some um, universities and so on so it's definitely like kind of this more advanced spiritual learning where you start pretty much in like understanding the basics and and, and so on and um in general, there's kind of two paths uh, in the mystery school. One path is as a healer, which means that basically it's um, 
it's uh, healing uh, yourself uh, through the healing of others. So it's uh, also, uh, you know, the objective is to help others to actualize their life potential. It's, and this is like something where, you know, that, that where I had a big shift as well. So I was, um, uh, one of the kind of main uh, modalities that we um, have there is called life activation. And when I had my life activation, that was, you know, that's something that kind of shifted me uh, uh, a lot because we all have probably these kind of, you know, old uh, thought patterns that we are stick with. And usually many of them, they're not, you know, aligned to our highest good. Like for me, uh, for instance, um, I was uh, smoking quite a lot of uh, marijuana. And uh, like I would smoke like f at least few times a week, although I was able to keep like a year uh, break uh, also when I was living in Malaysia. But afterwards, like, you know, I was kind of back to my old habits. And, you know, after life activation, I could clearly understand that that was not you know, something that was supporting my life. And uh, and so I was just able to kind of let that go. Okay. How but, does it go? What What does it mean, life activation, to you? Do you do some kind of exercises? Do you yell? Do you <laughs> talk something or let the other person to talk? Or how, how does it look like? So it's um, yeah, it's basically it's uh, it's like an energy work. It's energy session. So and there's um, it consists of like three parts. So so like if I'm conducting the life activation, then like for, first part is like balancing the ener energies, the energy field of of, of a person. Like uh, so so basically. You would be just uh, standing or sitting, and I would be doing the work, and so it, I would be using my my hands, my mind, and so on to really just balance and and kind of clean the the, the field. And then the other part would be uh, basically what is called uh, DNA activation, um, which is uh, basically activating your DNA, which means that the the codons of the DNA would be active to more positive energy which is like kind of, you know, more um, a natural energy for you that, that you know, for, for people, uh, some of these uh, codons, they are just like closed, um, which is part of the human experience. And then the, the third part would, would be also uh, reading. So I would be sharing some information that I would read from your DNA. So this is basically the kind of the, uh, the, the way how the session goes. It lasts about uh, one hour. And usually the experience is always very individual. For some people, like they feel like, uh, uh, you know, very hot during the sessions. For some people, it takes, um, uh, you know, uh, maybe a few weeks to digest and kind of, you know, understand. Maybe then things start to kind of clear out and, and, and so on. But usually the kind of the integration process of uh, life activation uh, is said that it, it, it can take up to seven years. So like it's the impact wow. is it can be quite long. Okay. That sounds really deep when it takes such a long time. Um, you said it's based on DNA, but a lot of like Reiki, which is also like energy healing, is based on chakra systems. Is that connected as well? It is connected. Uh, yeah. So so um, during that session as well, like we 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 um, we activate and uh, and also align these energies with uh, with the chakras uh, of the body. So it is, uh, yeah. So so chakras definitely, and, and understanding how they work and and how you can use that uh, within the Mister School is is a is a is a like a strong learning. Even like it goes back to, like you know, some teachings that you uh, 
you learn from there regarding your meditation and so on. It also involves like activating and using your own kind of these inner energies uh, to to uh, just to um, you know feel more what is out there. Hmm. And that's one service that you offer today for other people, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you balance those two, like offering healing services and then running a company and then being a father for two children and being a husband? Well, um, at the moment, they are like not that much connected in this way. But um, uh, so, so yeah, so, so the, so the, um, the healing work and the energy work, uh, you know, whether it's life activations with or with crystals and so on, something that I do basically uh, at the, as a side hustle. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's just that I definitely, you know, feel the calling uh, from there because, you know, I know how much it has helped uh, me to kind of move forward and, and understand my um, kind of greater good. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I'm probably, you know, at some point I will, you know, it will open some new doors, I'm sure for me, and I will be able to connect them uh, more uh, with each other. But at the same time, you know, of course, you know, I know like how distant I was from spirituality, like only like six years ago. And um, so, um, and uh, although, you know, and, and even now, like, doing this um, like openly publicly for me it was you know still like a big jump like kind of like coming out from the closet <laughs> um, so so um, but yeah I think uh, over time I will be definitely when I will be kind of progressing and moving forward uh, on the path within uh, the Mr. School then I will be um, you know I'm definitely want to become a guide for for, for others and then start to conduct also classes and so on moving forward mm-hmm. well I think if you if you know and you believe that this that you can do does good for others, then you shouldn't be embarrassed of it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, but it's, it is always, you know, like a human experience. So so like sometimes, you know, these things just uh, it, it is nothing something that you can easily understand with the mind. But it is easier when you have your own experience and you can really kind of share that. And I think. That's basically, you know, what this, the school is also about. It's like, um, as the, you know, the mission of the school is like world peace, which sounds in a way like, okay, quite crazy. But behind this is the belief that uh, the, the, the kind of the peace always starts within. So like finding that peace within yourself and then you can help others to do the same. So it's, you know, same thing that you have to put in the airplane. Uh, you know, if something happens, you have to put... Uh, the mask, uh, oxygen mask first on to yourself and then you can help the others. Like you cannot, you know, help others to the same potential as, you know, if you self are not, you know, feeling loved, not feeling joyful and, and so on. Mm-hmm. That all sounds really true that you should, if you make changes in yourself, then the world changes as well. Yeah. To outside of you. Exactly. Um, another question about your life living or your life abroad and then returning to Estonia I have is um, um, if you started doing different shifts in yourself and your environment changed again then did you notice uh, what changed in your opinion about Estonian uh, culture or economics or politics did you have any ideas or thoughts that "Hmm, okay I see it differently now well, um, probably something that um, I, you know, it's 
it's that when you lack something, you start to appreciate more of it. And that's something that for me definitely when, uh, you know, whenever we would be traveling back from Malaysia uh, during summertime to Estonia or afterwards returning, then you start to really value the, the, um, the kind of the, the lifestyle that actually we had here, but wasn't, weren't maybe appreciating as, as much as now, which is like, you know, the, the green nature that we have around us, the really the, the fresh air, the fresh water, the space that you can, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, go to uh, hikes, walks in, in the beach or forest uh, and, and, you know, maybe actually see, see no one else. Uh, and um, also the fact that, you know, when, like, when you have kids, then uh, I think we really, like, value the, the opportunity that, you know, in Estonia, it, it feels so safe. Uh, as a kind of community where we also live, that you know, kids can go outside just themselves uh, by alone. You know, they can go cycling, hang out with their kids. In Malaysia, that you know, probably at that least, um, you know, uh, our kids were so young. So whenever they uh, would want to go outside, they had to go either together with me or my wife. So it was, you know, it's, it was not an option that, you know, we would send some kids uh, even in the, in the, um, in the building uh, play park, uh, playground by themselves. Um, um, but of course, um, uh, what I really miss is, it's also the, the fact that, you know, in Malaysia, like all the, pretty much like every place had their own pool. Yeah. <laughs> so that, you know, swimming like and just yeah. sunbathing and something was like uh like a daily thing that, you know, every evening we would go to uh, have a bath, uh, just, uh, you know, swim with the kids. And uh, and that was definitely something that I, I do uh, miss. And um, Nice. That sounds good. I would love to have my own uh, swimming pool. But I, I guess actually like sea, having living close to a sea or a swimming place is also good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and of course, yeah, Estonian summer is, is super, uh, super beautiful and time to, so we, I also try to go like as much um, swimming as possible, but you know, the, 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 the time window is, is quite short, so mm -hmm. we only have like two, two months pretty much to do that, unless you're like into uh, this winter's uh, swimming. Yep, well, I'm uh, doing both. Uh, summer swimming and winter swimming so all fine for me <laughs> but it's definitely nicer experience to go in the summer because then you can be in the water longer <laughs> yeah so we we just uh, came back from our vacation from uh, like south of french and uh, yeah so then you could really like soak in the water uh -huh. for like half an hour no problem so which is, uh, which is another level mm -hmm. that sounds nice cool uh you were talking about things that you some things that you missed when you were living in Malaysia and uh, when things that you miss now from Malaysia. But if we think about some of our listeners who uh, are who are maybe thinking about moving to Estonia, what would you say that they should consider or they should know before? Hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, if I compare maybe La Malaysia to Estonia and I think the same. What maybe just to to mention again? So it's definitely the the probably the you know the the fact that it's less populated, so that you can really you know find lots of uh, 
kind of maybe room around you and uh, if you you want to go to hiking and so on just to spend time also kind of you know away from the crowds that's uh, like a luxury that we have in Estonia probably the well Malaysia was also like very well I would say developed in terms of technology like the, the internet connection uh, and, and so on and so on but Estonia definitely you know is 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 like uh ha- has really strong infrastructure here as well so whenever you you go and um, so it's it's easy to kind of conduct business you know you, you have you can be really be on the go somewhere and, and do that easily mm, and um probably if you're uh probably depends like where you live but the the, uh, the traffic jams in Estonia are really minor <laughs> compared to like these big city ones um uh yeah and uh well what else probably like if you're um yeah something maybe it's which is maybe it's like uh typical for for like uh in a way like for all uh cultures but they yeah, are just you know take some time in the beginning to kind of to get to really like understand how people kind of operate work um how they uh, interact with each other and like how do you know these kind of cultural norms and so on that you, you need to kind of get away uh, get around with um so so in estonia i think yeah like we are definitely very modest as, as a people and uh, so it's, it just takes more time to kind of you know warm us up uh which is you know probably true for me as well so i it will take some time for me to kind of really kind of you know start to maybe bond in a different level with with new people um but i think yeah it's, um but once you have that kind of more trust and relationship there then uh, so so we are uh, we are a fun bunch <laughs> <laughs> that's so sweet and i agree totally we are a fun bunch here in estonia <laughs> um at this point in your life when you're been back in estonia for uh, for quite some years already Do you still feel some kind of itch to move abroad someday and uh, leave or work there again? Um, definitely, actually, <laughs> yeah. So I've been definitely thinking about like how I can, um, you know, uh, maybe create a life for me that is is not that uh, bound to a physical location. So so uh, so definitely that's something that I'm kind of working towards, and um, and uh, yeah and. Um, Probably, yeah, like business-wise, to do something that is not, uh, like, yeah, really str- uh, strictly related to some some geography and and so on. So more kind of a digital uh, side of the business. So that's one thing. So definitely, I would love to do, yeah, more. You know, uh, I have a goal for myself to to be, um, you know, living at least few months per year in in another country. Preferably not in one location, but just explore different uh, locations. So it's uh, it's just so in, enriching experience, and probably if you know if I would ask my kids as well, like although they're still young, like you know it's definitely like you know kind of the peak experience for in their lives, like you know just a you know this kind of thing you you, you cannot get if you just like are physically in, in only in one location. So so I think that's definitely yeah so so enriching. Mm-hmm. I know more people who have this goal, me included, <laughs> to spend like the cold period somewhere else and then enjoy the perks that Estonia has as well. 
Uh, do you have any destinations in mind that you would love to explore or in, to live in? Well, actually, yeah. Um, I have some some kind of list just in general traveling destinations in mind. But when it comes to living, then I think I'm uh, I'm just uh, when, when the time is right, then I'm just gonna go with the kind of the flow. I don't have any particular place, so it's mm-hmm. just like being open to whatever then comes up. Nice. Sounds good. It's been really lovely to talk with you. You uh, had really, I think you have really rich life experience from different perspective, from working in a giant uh, global company, then coming back to Estonia and uh, working in a small company, moving with your family, then making a shift in your uh, habits and beliefs and in your whole life around you, and now planning another goal to live uh, Uh, a life location independent so it's been a pleasure having you here is there anything else you would like to add before we say bye to our listeners yeah it's been a pleasure uh talking to you and well yeah if if anyone uh, wants to understand more like you know what i do or follow me then yeah, they can find uh, me at andresirel.com and uh, happy to be in touch sounds good thank you for being here and for all the listeners I want to say thank you to all our listeners. You can find Found in Estonia podcast on Facebook, on Instagram and on the website foundinestonia.ee where you can also join our monthly newsletter. And now a little more about the sponsor of this season, which is non-profit organization Mondo, who aims to reduce global inequality. This media content has been prepared in cooperation with NGO Mondo in the framework of the project I Am European Migration Stories and Facts for the 21st Century, funded by the European Union and Estonian Centre for International Development, ESTEV. The content of this media content does not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of the funders. That's it from my side. Until next time. Bye!